Welcome to Sam's on Fire, a podcast for everyday entrepreneurs navigating business decisions, growth, and structure. Now, here's your host, Sam Livingston. Hey everyone, I'm Sam with Sam's on Fire, and today I'm excited to be talking to a good friend and someone here that's local that's doing some big business things. So, Sam's on Fire is the podcast. If you would do me a favor and go and take a, a look at it, listen to it, and like it, and share it with your friends, I'd appreciate it. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in, and I'm going to introduce you guys to a good friend of mine, Kaylee Keller-Samarco. Hi! And you're with Keller's Me- Keller Meats, right? Yes. So the reason all my podcasts really are about entrepreneurship and that entrepreneurial spirit and where does it come from and what i love is i can run the gamut we can talk to realtors we can talk to investors bankers builders it doesn't matter but what's really nice is when i go into my community then i can see that there's really a lot of diversity to to the type of entrepreneur i'm able to connect with and uh and that's i was really excited when you said that you'd be willing to do this with me so let's talk a little bit about your uh, your upbringing here in uh the greater medina area and talk to me about your family farm and, and that kind of process for you it's funny when you say the greater medina area we just call it all medina county right you know just the i've always broken every state up by counties because in farming that's how every region is broken up by counties or if you're in the the corn belt or the snow belt and we're lucky to be in both here but our farming background goes back five generations my mom not so much she was from brooklyn new york so she often sings green acres is the place for me is kind of her theme song uh, she met my dad and kind of the rest was history oh uh, so keller meets so that goes back to my dad wanting to be a full-time farmer after he had a college scholarship to play football at the University of Akron. Went out there, played for a little while, realized he still just absolutely loved farming, and that was where his calling was. My grandpa grew up in the meat industry as well. There was a place in Chippewa called Chippewa Meats, which is no longer in business now for a long time. My dad hop-skipped around a couple other processing plants, kill floors, slaughtering or PC harvesting facilities until probably, let's see, I remember sitting outside one of those plants one day and my mom was picking up my truck, my dad's truck and he had it hooked up to the gooseneck and she forgot to put the tailgate down and pulled the back of the tailgate right off and he watched through the window and that was a great day for us because we always loved to point out when mom got in trouble. So probably about in the 90s, my dad was working for a small place over in Litchfield, it's actually called Whitehead Meats. Bob Whitehead, who still lives out in Litchfield now, was had just a custom processing place. And what the difference of that is you can only do animals that are going right back to the people that raised it. Nothing for sale. They can't sell it. It's a custom kill. It's not under inspection. Different from what we do nowadays. My dad started working for Bob when a plant that my dad was working at, he showed up to work one day and the doors were closed. And that was the first time in my dad's life he'd ever been technically unemployed. Always having the farm, but that's never been the number one source of income for him at that point. And had a little bit of a panicked moment. And my mom has just always believed in my dad. She's like, well, you know, you will find, you will find this. Well, you'll find work. And I think with that, a phone call the next day, hey, are you looking for work? And rolled into that. My dad has always built a trust with 
all of our farming community. We've been here for so long. If you do honest work by somebody, that's how you keep friends and family for forever. And all the customers he had at this previous plant came with him over to Bob's place. Outgrew that. Bob didn't want it anymore. So he never really bought the business off Bob. He just started renting this garage, more or less, from Bob Whitehead over in Litchfield, the end of Broker Street, which I know you guys can't see the size of this room, but basically the size of a two-car garage with a little bit of back storage is how it all started. And I think it's kind of funny because even just relating it to today's terms, your big tech companies got started out of somebody's garage. Your big nutritional company started out of someone's garage or your awesome breweries is like out of someone's garage. Like there's something to the garage right. and what can happen in there. Um, well, I think I think what happens is we're, we're most comfortable there. You know, like yeah. we have a, an ability and an innate, innate ability as as people to work with the people that we're comfortable with. And when you're in that environment where you're comfortable, yeah. great ideas can flourish. And, and sometimes sometimes some not so good ones, too. But what you're telling me, this story, you said it, Apple started in a garage. And, and so when we see a lot of businesses, you know, if you really know their backstory, it has to do with some trust. You talked about that with your with your own father. And. I'm sure five generations of farming, you build trust in a community. Oh, yeah. People understand that. Na that name means a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, so going off of the name, you know, that was never something that I knew coming into it. And my dad still not to this day understands or knows the term branding. It, it doesn't matter to him. That's not his, that's not his forte. He knows that he's going to do honest work by somebody. And it's just so happened that has built a brand. Um, of the of our local meat shop and it's awesome because now we'll get people that either call us or come in and stop in and said oh I was wearing my Keller Meats t-shirt at the airport in Phoenix and someone stopped me and I was like man that is just awesome you've got building up like raving fans that want to they don't know you but because you're wearing a Keller Meats t-shirt they're gonna come say hi because they know that you must be an awesome person then my dad in 2000 would be nine built our new plant that's out in Litchfield that for the third time we're about to be expanding on bless his heart he built a plant for what he needed at that time and no no future of expansion so we've added on twice to it already and in 2020 we'll be adding on to it again right after we finish up this project that we're doing here in Medina. Right. Well, before we talk about the project here in Medina, you said some really key things that are near and dear to my heart as a business coach. And that is um, you talked about branding and in today's world, branding is so much more important. And you also talked about your dad or, or someone being in, a, in another airport, in another area and someone recognizing that T-shirt. Now, in your dad's day, that probably would have never happened because we were so local driven. But now with with the advent of, of the way we the way we find news and the way we find things that branding becomes really, really important, right? Yeah. And and so this is what I love and this is what I noticed first. I, I've been I've gone to Keller Meats for a very long time since we've lived in Medina. I, I never met your father. Uh, I actually had met your father several times, but I never knew it was your father simply because he never introduced himself and said, hey, by the way, I'm the owner. He was out there just making his observations, doing his business, and, and it was a great process. So I want to fast forward and talk a little bit about where you've taken the business because, to, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of the face of Keller Meats right now, right? Uh, probably just because I do and love the social interaction. I love connecting with people. I think that is really what the heartbeat of your business is. 
Um, if you don't have customers, even if you're all internet-based, if you don't have customers, you don't have a business. I, I recognize that by surrounding myself with people that showed me that you need to recognize that. And then it makes me feel wonderful, you know, just to be able to continue to serve people and becoming the face of it was never really an intention. And I guess I still don't see that because everybody's still looking for my dad when they go in there. They just love his jolly face. But I know that I'm the forefront of making more connections to keep building us and sprawling us. Uh, I think, and it starts with my mom growing up the kitchen table always had an extra couple seats. So it was always the mentality of the more is merrier. And I've just taken that into many other facets of our life from helping out teenage kids to um, more personal things and feeding people that we don't know, feeding people we do know, and making business connections. It all is goes back to the more the merrier. Right. I, so I love that, and, I, and I've seen the things that you guys have done as a family, too, and for the community, uh, which is great. So, so what I want to do now is I want to fast forward to the project that you, I was going to say, in the midst of now, but we're in November, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're, is it crunch time? It is crunch time, and it's um, all new emotions and experiences for me. Because when we built the Keller Meats plant, um, I wasn't involved with the, the ground roots of it, the, you know, from the concrete pouring up. This one is renovating a historical building built back in 1904. So all the nuances and challenges that come with that to be even, that would be brand new for somebody that'd be new, used to doing construction from the ground up. And here it is. I feel like sometimes I go, this is interesting. How did I get here? Because I never saw any of it as a struggle. I just saw the entire thing as an opportunity. So otherwise, you're just going to feel buried under the details is, you know, what I continuously tell myself. Like you can't get stuck on one thing or you're going to just always stay there. Use that in your personal life or in your business life. So it's seeing always what the end goal is. And you have to just keep focusing on that. So building out this building in the city of Medina, completely different than building something from the ground up out in Litchfield. I mean, you could probably speak to the difference of, even though both places inside the Medina County, building inside of Medina City, very different than doing something out in Litchfield. It's a different world, absolutely. Yeah. You, you just keyed on something that's so big, and I was going to bring it up, but you, you just had such a perfect segue into it. And, and my thing is mindset. I believe that mindset gets all the work done. I don't care what it is. And you just, you just said something that, uh, that really keyed that. And, and we talked about it once before. You said that you used to pull into this, into this parking lot, and you would imagine the opportunity that you had with that building. Yeah. So the building at that point is condemned for three years. So this was two years ago because the building's been in, in a, some need of TLC for a hot minute. And uh, I just sit there and um, have time to myself between me, the steering wheel, and God all the time of what can we do here. I know I want to bring our good quality meat that is can be fed to numerous more households. How can we do that? How can I fill the need of customers coming into the meat shop saying, man, if you guys are just closer to Medina, I could get to your guys' meat a lot faster. I could get more of it. We love coming out here. Uh, we love your meats. So I'm like, okay, here's a need. How do I fill it? And the square, as you know, has been at 100% occupancy for the past, I think, three to four years now. 
So finding the opportunity in the right location to put a meat market in hasn't really been there. So I'm sitting in this parking lot continuously, like what can happen with all this brick? There's all this awesome brick that goes four stories up. What can we do here? And that's where just the thought bubble of opportunity started before knowing anybody else that would want to be involved. It wasn't, it was a dream that I started to write down into ideas and then make into a plan. Right. And and that's the thing. A lot of us dream, but, and, and sometimes we even plan, but you took a lot of action, right? Yeah. So I remember driving past that building every day and wishing or wanting something nice would happen to it, hearing rumors um, and, and thinking about things. And then when this plan starts to unfold, it's so exciting to so many people in the community. And, and because I run the Funky Cold Medina page and, and I watch some of the pages and I see the excitement and the rumors, I actually, I love the rumors. And every once in a while I start a rumor just to see if it comes back. Um, and it's completely <laughs> false and they always come back, uh, usually a lot more embellished than I could have even done. But um, in that process, did you ever think you were nuts? I think I'm nuts every day. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my poor husband, you know, he really, he really puts up with a lot because I hit him with new ideas or what I want to do, but it all goes back to how to, how to serve somebody better, how to make someone else a little more happy. And I don't have to focus on getting my own needs met then where I think a lot of people get stuck and in their personal and business life too is if you just keep focusing on what you can do a little bit better and you don't have time to worry about what you're not getting. So I'm like, what can we do differently? What can we do that's more of to bring people more, more happiness, more excitement? Uh, you know, I love feeding off of high energy all the time. Like until I get like really down and sick is about the only time that I feel like I'm not at the 10, 11 mark and being asked what kind of drugs I might be on. I'm like, nope, sunshine, cocaine, and <laughs> smiles. But that's it. My dad asked me once if uh, I had a cup of coffee yet that day because I wasn't running at that 10 speed or whatever. And I'm like, no, not yet. And so he notices when I'm not at that, that high level, but that's where I like to ride. Well, I don't think I've personally ever seen you where you weren't at a 10. And, and that's the thing. When we talk about the attraction model, we talk about who we are attracted to and what attracts us there. And it is mindset and its ability and its attitude. And, and one of the things that I've noticed and I wanted to bring up was all the different things I've seen or heard that you're a part of, it rubs off on other people, right? People, it's hard to be in a room with someone who's a 10 and not come up a little bit too, right? Yeah. So where do you draw that from? Where, where is, I mean, is it just innate, like a, like a part of you? I would, I, I think so. I mean, honestly, I spend a lot of time praying for those things. You know, I want to be able to just continuously give the most that I can give. Um, I ask God to watch out for my back. So I don't have to worry about covering my six when I've already got him there. I, I never, I'd never like to, continuously focus on playing defense when the office offense is the exciting stuff you know let's make the baskets let's get the touchdowns like that's the reviews that's the that's the exciting part that's what gets people in a room together motivated um and not being downtrodden by all the negative details of something you know not that i don't focus or put any energy on it because you got to make sure that details and sure. i's are dotted and t's are crossed or anything but continuously staying there does no good. Right. 
And I, too many people just run circles around what's not being done for them, what's not happening right. And I was like, you're wasting your time. You literally only have so much time on this earth. You're wasting it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That attitude is exactly what gets me anything that I've ever gotten that was worth having is, yeah. is that positive attitude. It, it, it has to happen. You know, I talk about the abundance mindset versus scarcity. And I told someone once, I said, well, your, your, your mindset is, is, is got to be more abundant. And she said, well, as soon as I have some abundance and I said, you've got it backwards. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. The other thing that you just talked about was, uh, there's a book called give and take. And I, and I've, I've read it a few times and it talks about givers and takers and the mindset behind it. And you, and you, you really summed it up well when you said, I'm not worried about me because I get fulfilled by doing these things. And, that, and that's a classic line of a, of a giver. That's someone who wants to put out there all the positivity because they know it comes back around. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you more about what I think that this is probably the most exciting thing that's happened in, in Medina in the last decade. Maybe next to the is it road. Is the meat? Well, you, you know that I, I, you know, I've been in there and I. Who bought doesn't the, love uh, a good tomahawk? I know right. Sam does. Yeah, I've been in there. and I bought many tomahawks, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was just telling someone. I just showed some pictures of the last, uh, the last grill out we had with the tomahawks, and next they couldn't to the believe. Lamb chops. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't believe that we actually ate those. And I was like, I can't believe you wouldn't have eaten those. So, right. but um, I think the road widening in in, in Pearl on Pearl Road North. Um, got maybe a little bit more attention, but it was probably the negative kind. But doesn't in, all road construction yes, get negative? Especially attention? here in Northeast yeah. Ohio when we only have four months of good driving weather. But, you know, when, when the project first broke ground and I heard the rumors and then, you know, because I'm a part of the, um, the Board of Zoning Appeals, I get to hear some of the things that may be happening or in the works. So I started hearing these rumors and then when they started to become more and more truth and less rumor, I got excited. And I wasn't just excited because, yes, we're going to have Keller Meats here on the square. I got excited because of all the ancillary things that start to happen with that. So what I, tell me, what's the square footage of that building? The square footage is just over 40,000 square feet, about 10 each floor. The garden level actually being the largest that rides a little bit outside each parameter. Right. So that, yeah. Now, 40,000 square feet. All it's it's brand new for all intents and purposes because of all the renovations that you guys have put in. Tell me about all the things that you know that are going in there right now. All the things that are for sure going in there right now are two floors of apartments. So that's the top two. Makes the most sense. And also for living space, the views are just awesome. You if you haven't come to Medina, people on this podcast, get to Medina because the scope and the aerial view that you can see and the charm that you can be a part of that has Medina culture, it's, a, it's its own culture over here, is it's stunning. You know, you see the church tops, you see the courthouse. Um, you can look out over the whole footprint of the Medina City area from those apartments on the top two floors. So then under those is where we're putting in the exchange market. Inside of that is a uh, full fresh market, which Keller Meats will be the nucleus of, um, some other local vendors in there and a restaurant that's driven off of the market side. Underneath the restaurant in the garden area will be a new brewing uh, company, Medina Brewing Company, that is coming in and they'll have about a 4,000 square foot footprint of brewing and then you can go down there and enjoy fresh taps from them as well. 
Beautiful. And, and you know, those breweries, we've seen them pop up quite a bit in yeah. the past probably five to 10 years in Northeast Ohio, but it's great to have one. It's going to be right here on the square. And that's, you know, the things that you guys are doing are so innovative and they're so almost big city, you know, and I hate to say Medina big city because yeah. to me, um, I don't care what the population is because we have the square here and because, I mean, it is probably one of the most quaint cities that I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I know that we're lucky to live here and I'm lucky to have an office and a, and a business here, but Having the ability to do those things and, and come right here on the square, what does that mean for you as a fifth-generation Medina person? So what's cool about this building, to give you a back history of it, built back in 1904 by the Tubbs family, which I recently got connected with. That's another off-topic. I see shiny things, and then I... Squirrel, start, right? Yeah, too many squirrels in my life. Um, but back in 1904, the Farmers Exchange building was built next to the train tracks for to increase the agriculture footprint of the, not just the county of Medina, but the entire state. It was a huge hub for people to come and get their agriculture supplies and also sell their agriculture supplies. So they were coming in by train, going out by train. That, Ohio doesn't realize, most people here, that agriculture is the number one business, uh, dollar for dollar, for the state of Ohio and actually the entire U.S., so the fact that we control our food systems as a country is really one of the huge catapults that keeps us um, in our standings against other countries is our food security. So that's where my fashion for food comes from is really understanding and knowing that you need to have control of your food systems. So this building, coming back to it, when it was the farmer's exchange and until it got condemned was still supplying those agriculture needs and then also suiting the needs of the area growing to be more urbanized. So it carried more dog and cat food type items, a few more fix it yourself, backyard fence kind of things while still having agriculture goods. So the building closes down. It's condemned by the city five or six years ago. And then sitting in this parking lot, what can we do to bring it back? What can we do to bring it back to to life. What does the city need? What can I do to fill the needs of the city and to bring it back to life? And here comes the home run that the city needs more apartments um, off of this economic development study that they did, um, that there was a 200 and some apartment deficit for the city of Medina. Okay, let's put apartments in there. Perfect. What do I think would be awesome putting a Keller Meats because there's been no open real estate for the city of Medina uh, to bring inside there. I'm like, okay, now the building has what the city needs, what people are at least saying they want, which is Keller Meats over here. And back to the building being off of its birth being in agriculture, and we're bringing that back. We're bringing in more sustainably raised products that are raised right here in our county and surrounding areas, not just our meats, but bringing in more people to increase that footprint of local products. Right. R rising tides raise all mm -hmm. ships, right? And, mm -hmm. and that's the other thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit. I've seen you at the farmer's market for years. Um, I've seen what your family's able to do. And, and, and talk to me about the relationships that you have with other farmers in the area, because I think that's so important. And not just farmers, it's businesses in general. You know, um, when you bring this restaurant in, you're going to be talking to vendors and suppliers that are local yep. as much as possible. Talk about how important that is to to the system. Um, I, I love the history that you just were able to, to provide about the agricultural uh, beginnings of Medina and, and what that's meant. So talk to me about 
what that business opportunity looks like when you're able to partner with local businesses to bring local people, local foods. I mean, that, that's got to be really rewarding, right? So things can be so small when I start talking about it, and then they have like this big grand picture too. So as a country, we're in this health crisis, right? We've got people that are just not taking care of their health and waiting for doctors and the next prescription to fix it. I like to be proactive. Why don't you just start taking care of your body, fueling it right, eating right, exercising? I know you're looking at me like, where the heck is she going with this? But it all comes back to food and fueling yourself and with the right kind of foods, not just what's easily accessible. Well, back to being easily accessible, we've got some awesome farms here in Medina County, not just our own of people that raise great quality products from seeds or from birth, either one of those, and why aren't we capitalizing on that more? Why aren't we doing this more year-round? We've got a flourishing farmer's market in the city of Medina, but that only happens on the warm months and one day of the week. I go, people eat more than four months of the year and one day of the week, huh? Right, right. How do we make this happen? So I've been trying for the last four years of putting those pieces more together and how do we get more fresh products to people? They start eating right, you start feeling better. You need less time off for sick time and you need less doctor visits and prescriptions that have these side effects that you need a different prescription for anyways. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, let's just start taking care of ourselves, go all the way back and be more proactive Rather than trying to fix problems, let's try to not have the problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? A pound of, an ounce of, previ- of, of uh, prevention is yeah. better than a pound of cure. And that's exactly kind of where you're going with that. Yeah. So um, I, I love the passion that you have. That's the other thing is you're the, yeah. probably one of the most passionate people within their business. And I think that's, that's probably passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. Your father, very passionate farmer. Oh, yeah. Likes to do things the right way. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and with a lot of duct tape. So my dad <laughs> is definitely a duct tape farmer. Ah, oh, we'll just fix it later. Put some duct tape on it. It's like, mom's like, oh, you're not that hurt. Rub some spit in it. That's pretty much the background of how we got raised. And you figure it out. But you never had to figure something out not knowing that you didn't have someone to back you up. Right. So maybe sometimes I feel like I can take more risk because I always know I've got my family in my back pocket. And I think some people have gotten a little bit disconnected from that as well. So one, two things I love the most, making sure people have food to eat and making sure that they understand the importance of a family network. You feel like you can be invincible if you feel like you've always got someone that has your back. So that's where, again, I talk about like God's there and my family's there and that somebody else, you can be that person for somebody else. You can make sure that someone else knows that they, you go out on the limb a little bit. I'm here for you and making that kind of connection when customers come in, you know, they, from as simple as somebody coming in and how disconnected people are with their food now, um, they don't know how to make a certain dish. They're looking at us for the reliability and from as small scheme as that is up into the big stuff of buying an old dilapidated building on the square of Medina and fixing it up to do all these things inside of, to reach more people on that level, meet them where they're at in their city, on their ground with great food from local farmers where somebody can feel in and feel like they're welcomed and wanted in that space, like come in. 
there's an extra seat at the table. That's a that's such a beautiful thing. You know, like this is what we take for granted. This is why this podcast was so important to me is to connect with people that are within their own industry that have this kind of passion. And definitely you um, you display your passion. Uh, you wear your passion on your sleeve. Yeah. And, and I really enjoy that. As we get close to wrapping up, I have a couple other small questions. One is, in this process, what's the biggest thing that surprised you or that you learned a big aha moment? So you're in construction that you've never, you've never done construction before. You're dealing with people as, and, and I won't guess your age, but I know that you're probably close to only half my age, uh, maybe a little bit more. So I can imagine as a woman coming into these construction sites without that background, yeah. there's got to be some learning curves, right? And oh, there's got to be some instances where <laughs> yeah. where some people probably look at you maybe like you're a two-headed alien, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because I'm asking, sometimes I'm probably asking the question six different ways and they're giving me the same answer back. And I'm never looking at them like they're being assholes about giving me the same answer. They're looking at me like, you literally just asked this question with three different other words. And I'm, then I'll just say right up front, I'm like, listen, this is my first time here new to the game, it's calling it out like it is. I'm not trying to know more than I do. And just then like with construction guys, you can use construction French and just put them right in their place and say, back the fuck off. I just didn't know. That's why I'm asking you. You don't have to attack me for right. asking questions. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I hired you. What the hell is going on here? And then so things I didn't learn or didn't know and have learned that construction guys are very emotional butterflies. <laughs> they all it. walk around in their dirty boots and their puffed out chest and their shoulders back and they're proud of their work as they should be. You can be proud of your work without being egotistical about it too. And I've got no problem bringing somebody right back down like, listen here, we all wipe our butts the same way. Come on now. And if we want to finish this project, we need to work together and you know, each trade just thinking their trade's more important than the other. I'm like, the building doesn't open without each other. I'm like, good, good grief. I feel like I play more of like, okay, let's just all get in the same room together now because now you're not over there because Jimmy's fighting with you over there. And there's different trades of different companies just being at arms with each other. I'm like, I did not see this coming at all. I did not see that plumbing thought they were better than electrical electrical thought they better you know whatever it is it's hilarious you know what it is funny that you bring that up because i think it does happen across our industries when we get together in the same room we are the most important component right i mean that's I think there's some good behind that because we're like, hey, we're proud of what we do. Yeah. But at the same time, it can be very debilitating when uh, Johnny won't talk to Jimmy because, you know, and, and so I get it. So yeah. so that that's a learning curve, right? Yeah. Um, anything else that you were just like blown away by or uh, uh, funny, you just couldn't imagine it happening that way? Timelines. So going back to, I guess the easiest thing I can relate it to is making sure – Customer says that they need their order by 10 a.m. Friday morning, and it's 300 pork chops, center cut, six ounce. So you've got all the details you need. You have the time that you need to have it done by, and who is it going to? With this project, it has been so far out of, like, I thought we had all the details. I thought we had the time that we had to have this done by, and it's not been that way. Um, it's not been that way at all for some really cool reasons and some, it's been a really awesome journey to see like, okay, well, it's not been that way, but it's all right. We're just going to navigate around this mortar and brick and we didn't know this molasses pit was here kind of stuff. 
and making, still making it happen. You know, the, the biggest thing is, okay, the, the end result still has to happen. So you can either sit here and keep complaining about that you had to take time and rework and rethink something, or you can just start reworking and rethinking it. Yeah. I, I love that attitude. Yeah. Last thing, would you do this again? Oh, yeah. I love chaos. <laughs> So, um, but, but it's controlled chaos, right? I mean, there's some control to it and and I know I've watched it unfold. So for for our listeners that are, you know, maybe they don't know the project or they're not, uh, obviously some of our national listeners won't know, but watching a building unfold like this with all the historical implications, we have to do things a certain way. The city's involved. We have all these other components that are involved and to be able to do it and say that you'd love to do it again. Even be, I know people that have said, yeah, maybe in 10 years, but you're already, you know, you've got a big smile on your face and you're yeah. ready to go again. And I, I well, think that, fun. right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's because of your approach, you yeah. know, um, you, you come in with the right attitude. So, um, as we close up, I want to give a couple shout outs to Keller Meats, right? Where can, where can we find things, uh, from Keller Meats right now? Things from Keller Meats right now out in Litchfield on State Route 83, Avon Lake Road. And soon, 320 South Court Street, Medina. Cool. You have a website? We have a website. Um, it is kellereats.com. That'll soon be changing too, but you'll get updated. <laughs> yep. Um, we There's some really cool surprises coming that you guys are going to do with the unve- uh, un- unveiling of the new property. So I don't want to give those secrets away, but stay tuned. Um, and I will update on the podcast and on my website. But uh, Kayla, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate your time. Love what you're doing on the square. And I think you're one of the one of the most fun entrepreneur business owners in Medina. And I love that you're you're probably one of the youngest right here in Medina doing the things that you're doing. And, and it just makes me very happy for the future of what's, what's bound to happen here in, in our community. So right thank on. you so much for coming on. Yeah. All right, guys. See you later. Thanks for listening to Sam's on Fire. And don't forget to check out samsonfire.com. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a fellow entrepreneur so you get notification of all new episodes.